One of the things that we have to confront in our relationship with God and the way that he sees what he created is that sin exists and it can be committed. That to God, there is an objective right and wrong, which by definition means that we do not subjectively determine what is right or wrong. Each one of us deciding which things are sins and which are not. But it's God who decides. Better put, it's right or wrong because it's right or wrong, and God enunciates this fact. So there are certain actions then that can weaken our relationship with God, venial sin, and then there's certain actions which can break our relationship with God, mortal sin. And for those mortal sins, grave matter, full knowledge, full freedom, we need to go to confession. That's what we believe. Venial sin, we can forgive directly with God. So what the Pharisees and the, and the uh, scribes are trying to do here is they're trying to trip Jesus up when it comes to the punishment due to sin. Because according to the law of Moses, both the man and the woman caught in adultery um, would be put to death And so they create this scene and they bring a woman who apparently was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now, curiously, if she was caught in the very act, then he was with her and he wasn't there. Which really just makes this an even more horrible abuse of this woman. Because they're clearly just using her to try to make a point with Jesus, to try to get him to say that she doesn't deserve death, and then they can in turn put him to death. So they they bring this poor woman who sinned before him and makes her stand in the middle. I mean, could you imagine how she felt? It doesn't matter what she did wrong. Just imagine how she felt, how humiliated, embarrassed, ashamed, angry, in tears, fearful of her life, that she might in that moment be put to death. That was just a horrible thing to do. And so the Pharisees in their wrath pressed Jesus Moses said, put her to death. What do you say? It's really curious. There's been all these uh, attempts at trying to understand what Jesus was doing because he bends down and he begins to write in the sand. And at the least, perhaps he's thinking, maybe even more than that, he's taking his time, showing that he's unaffected. You know, he's not going to react with this anger or vengeance. And they keep pushing him. What do you think? What do you think? What should we do? What should we do? He doesn't say no. He basically says, go ahead. 
The first one of you who has no sin, do it. Go ahead. I mean, you got to think that they're just flabbergasted. And it's interesting. We hear that they depart one by one, beginning with the elders. Oh, they have the most sin. Right? We accumulate sin as we go along. No one throws a stone. And there still is the woman. They leave. And there still is the woman waiting to be judged because he is a prophet, Jesus. He is a rabbi. He is claiming to be the Messiah. So still, still, he could put her to death. He is the one without sin. He is the one in this scene who could condemn who could put her to death. He would have every right to do so because her sin was not just about, you know, her partner and the rest. Her sin was an offense against him personally because he is God. He is God. Our sins do not merely offend one another. They offend God. And so he could have every right to put her to death. And he looks at her and you can tell he just looks at her and loves her. Has anyone condemned you? No. Okay, I don't condemn you either. Stop sinning, but go. You got to work on yourself, but go. In the first reading, we hear about how God is saying, I am doing something new. And what's new is his mercy. He doesn't want vengeance. It doesn't matter what anybody here has done. He does not want vengeance. He does not want to put you to death. He doesn't want to punish you. He doesn't want to punish us. He merely wants to unbind us from the sin, to forget it, to obliterate it, And then he's hoping that we just come a little bit closer. Most of us um, don't make large leaps in virtue. Virtue by its very nature is a struggle. It demands repetition, practice. We can move backward, we can make some headway, but it's a long process. And none of us finishes the process, I don't think, really, in this life. So there's two things, I guess, two points I'd like us to really, really remember. Number one, how horrible we can be to one another. It's not just the Pharisees and scribes. I mean, we can be awful to each other. And I'm not saying all of you have. I I don't know who. I know myself, unfortunately. (laughs) We can be awful. And no one deserves that, no matter what they've done. And the reason is because every single one of us has sinned, except for maybe the babies here. But every single one of us has sinned. And we have no right to judge There is our blessed Lord, sinless, 
able to judge with full, full merit and justification. And he does not. Nor will he judge us harshly unless we are harsh with one another. Over the last, uh, I don't know, three months, two months, we've had some tragic funerals here at St. Thomas. A lot of funerals. I mean, they're all tragic, but some really tragic. And I was thinking about this the other day. It's hard a lot of times for people to come back to church after such an event. It's sometimes just hard for people to go to church just to get here. You never know what's going on with that person next to you. You never know what it took. Sometimes I look over and I'll I'll see a mom with a couple of babies and I'll think, how did she get here? I mean, they're screaming and, you know, and I'm like, oh, geez, they're screaming. But I'm thinking, how in the world did she get here? It's almost an act of God. So, you get the point. Mercy. Compassion. Let us be as gentle, you know, as we can be with one another.